tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is
Good morning and welcome to Brighton Road Baptist Church this Pentecost Sunday. Delighted you can join us. Hope you enjoy the service. Let me lead you in prayer. Come Holy Spirit, breathe into our prayers your breath of life. Come Holy Spirit, fan the flame of love within us and draw us into the life of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, renew us and revive us, that in our worship and in our living we may live a life of love to the glory and praise of God. Amen. We sing together, Holy Spirit, living breath of God.
Okay, listen up now. I want you to concentrate because this is really important. You need to understand something. It's not you who calls Jesus Lord, at least not by yourself. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counsellor that Jesus himself promised he would leave for us, if it wasn't for that spirit, we'd be nothing. We'd know nothing. We'd have nothing. So understand me when I tell you it's the spirit, does it? Everything you have, everything you are, comes from the spirit. And there's something else too. The spirit is for all of us. Everyone. Yes, that goes for you too. You are included. So old and young, men and women, any social background, every nationality, all of us are the same as far as the Spirit of God is concerned. The Spirit gives you gifts to use and share. And every gift is of equal value to all the others, just as every person is of equal value to all the others. Jesus Christ is our head and we are part of his body. You'll have seen swallows in the sky swooping and flying high. It looks like one huge mass, but we all know that there are hundreds, thousands of them flying together, supporting each other, shielding each other, united as one. Well, that's how we are as well. So all you under fives, you're part of us. All you over 80s, you're part of us and everyone in between as well. Those of you on benefits, you're in. Those of you from overseas, you're part of the big picture too. Whoever, wherever, whatever, in the unity of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ, created by the Father, we are all together part of God's great family. So whoever you are, God's Spirit makes you fit in with everybody else. You belong to God. You belong to us. So we're going to sing together, O breath of God.
Good morning. We all recognise that unity is important, but it can be hard to achieve in practice. Let's hear about how the early church resolved an issue that threatened to disrupt their unity in a reading from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give them our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition rose, however, from members of the synagogue of the Freemen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. It just didn't seem fair. I'm not disputing that the Hebraic widows needed the food banks just as much as our Grecian widows did, but it just felt like we were a bit of an afterthought. All the decent stuff had always disappeared before we even got a look in, day after day. It just wasn't right, that's all we were saying. But actually it seems as if our complaining hasn't gone unnoticed. First there was a board meeting and then it was decided to have one team dedicated to the prayer and the preaching and a separate team dedicated to the practical matters. At last, a bit of sense. We were well represented on the practical team. In fact, all seven members came from our tradition, so we had no complaints. And the way it was done made us feel just as important as the prayers and preachers. Certain qualities were looked for in those that they chose. It wasn't just about being good at admin or organising or knowing your tarot muscle from your tzatziki. They wanted people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom just to run the food bank. Who'd have thought that was such important work? The apostles prayed for them and laid hands on them to commission them. Stephen, he was a top bloke. He met the job spec completely and he soon had things shipshape. 
and fair. He spoke up for the weak and the powerless and soon all of the widows were fed. He was generous and kind, serving God in simple goodwill. He obviously met the criteria of being filled with the Holy Spirit as well, as he was seen performing miraculous signs. He couldn't have done that in his own power. His faith filled him up so that there was just no room for unbelief. But unlike his administrative skills, this didn't make him terribly popular. Some of the chaps from the synagogue started disagreeing loudly with him, but their arguments never stood up. Instead, they resorted to sneakiness. They went behind Stephen's back and stirred up the people and the teachers of the law, pretending that Stephen was speaking out against the temple and traditional customs and ultimately against God himself. Of course, that's not what Stephen was saying at all. He spoke out, that's true enough, but he said we no longer had to restrict our worship of God to the temple. We can worship him anywhere, in our homes, on the streets, wherever we are. He wasn't suggesting we do away with the temple. The lawyers would hear none of it though, and brought charges against him anyway. Stephen had to go to court and protest his case. I managed to sneak in at the back, so I got to hear some of what he said. You could see how him being filled with the Holy Spirit was so important. It gave him the courage to speak out about his faith. Stephen knew so many of the stories from the scripture without having to look anything up. That, that must have given him such confidence. It felt like he was taking the opportunity to give a potted history of how God had been faithful to his people and he listed some of the great men of faith that we read about. You know, Abraham, you know, God said go and he went and God was with him. Joseph, betrayed by his family, but God was with him. Moses, chosen by God to lead his people out of slavery and God was with him. They worshipped God where they were, not in a fixed place. After all, they were a people on the move. They couldn't have kept returning to the same building, let alone the same seat, week after week. They'd never have reached the promised land if they'd done that. Stephen showed the court that God had a church in the world ages and ages before the building existed. And he didn't stop short of making the comparison between God's earlier prophets and Jesus and pointed out how the court got that one wrong too. Obviously, this didn't do Stephen any favours on the popularity front and the look on his face as he gazed upwards towards heaven seemed to be the last straw. They dragged him out of court and out of the city. I followed, I wanted to see how this would play out but I wasn't prepared for what happened. Fury seemed to take over and before anyone could say or do anything, stones were being thrown at Stephen. What amazed me was how he didn't fight back. He kept his attention on God and prayed, asking God for compassion towards those who were killing him. It was awful, his broken body lying there on the ground. But I'll never forget how he was a man of faith and of grace. I just hope I can be like that too. Perhaps I could offer to help out at the food bank. There's no way we'll be meeting all together in the temple after this. We need to stay safe. Just as well God doesn't need us to be in a building to worship him.
now for our prayers of intercession. Come, Holy Spirit, to your church today. Breathe into us new life and zeal and delight in the gospel. Set our hearts on fire with your love. Grow your own fruit in our lives, as you did that day in Jerusalem. In all our diversity, make us one in truth and love. Let the gifts of all be valued and used for the common good. Empower and equip us to bear compelling witness to Jesus' universal lordship by the way we live and speak and serve, that many will come to know him for themselves. Make us unafraid to stand out from the crowd and let it be seen that we have been with Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, and do a new work through the church in this land and in all the world. Revive us and equip us for those tasks to which your people in every age and place are called. Sweep your church forward with new life, new hope, new vision. May we act ever more closely together in the rich diversity of the one body of Christ. So may glory be given to you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, to your world today. As you brought order out of chaos at the beginning, brood over the chaos we have created in today's world, so that people everywhere may learn the way of life as you intend, and find purpose, meaning and hope in their existence. Where there is oppression and abuse of others, bring your justice. Where there is anxiety and fear, bring your peace. Where there is hatred and division, bring your love. Where the resources of this awesome world are exploited and we fail in our calling as trustees of land and sea, grant us repentance and the grace to learn a better way. Guide the rulers of the world in ways of justice and integrity, of truth and peace. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, to all who need your presence today. Spirit of comfort, be near to all who are sad and lonely. Spirit of power, give your strength to those who carry heavy burdens and are weary on life's journey. Spirit of peace, Speak calm to troubled hearts and minds. Spirit of life and light, lift from despair those for whom daily life has lost interest, meaning and hope. Shine the Christ light into their darkness. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen.
The church had a problem. Since the day of Pentecost, when the church is birthed, it experienced exponential growth. Disciples added daily. It was all going well, and then suddenly it all seemed to grind to a halt. And a solution was needed if the church was going to get growing again. If we as church desire growth, then we must be willing to embrace change and the challenges that change brings. Such challenges the church must face with faith. For it is only by faith that we are able to grow forwards together. The church had a logistics logjam. What was needed was not getting to where it was needed. Back then, the church had taken seriously its call to minister to the marginalised. So they fed widows who, in that society, were among those at the bottom of the food chain. But the daily distribution of food to the widows was working for some, but not for others. And this was resulting in resentment. A feeling of being overlooked or undervalued. There was developing a two-tiered church, the haves and the have-nots. And from this splintering of the body of Christ came complaining. Complaining, moaning and grumbling is never good. For the Twelve Apostles it seemed to have become too much, too great a task so what were they to do with the difficulty? They might want to scale it all back. Ministering to the marginalised has all become a bit of a nuisance, a burden. They might want to side with one group over the other group. I mean, you can't please all of the people all of the time. And we've only got finite resources. Let's concentrate on those we identify with closest. They might want to turn a blind eye and hope it all works out in the end. It's someone else's problem. Let's brush it under the carpet. So what did they do? Well, we read that the twelve gathered all the disciples together. In the face of our difficulties, we must seek the Lord's will and ways and wisdom together. They discerned that it, was, uh, that it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. They knew what the Lord had called them as apostles now at this point to do, to do some tasks and not others. So others are needed who are going to take on the logistics. In this way, the daily distribution of bread could continue. The distribution of spiritual bread, the word of God, nourishing the soul. The distribution of physical bread, nourishing the body. These go hand in hand. In our day, we as church face a local community and a wider world of need. So let's take time to carefully discern together how we might grow forwards in faith together. Where 
and how do we grow from here? So who did the early disciples choose? Pencil pushers? Bureaucrats? Well, they understand that the ministering to the marginalised is a spirit-led and empowered task. The physical and the spiritual are hand-in-hand -hand essentials of ministry and mission. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Those early disciples chose seven individuals to present to the apostles. They prayed for and laid their hands on them, commissioned and consecrated. And we assume that those seven got on with it because we read, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The break or blockage had been removed. Here was healthy, rapid growth. Why a large number of priests? Well, I suggest that it was because they were seeing a religion that worked, that ministered to the marginalised. This was not about a dead religion of works, but a living relationship by faith with a God and a people who cared. The priests responded not by religious observances, but by faith-filled obedience to the word of God. Today, on the day of Pentecost, we remember how the Lord sent and poured out his Holy Spirit, who empowered his church for witness and service in the wider world. May we, as church, in the midst of the present and future circumstances, look to the Lord for the presence and power and wisdom of the Spirit of God. We are not meant to go it alone. We are not meant to try and work it all out in our own way. May we spend time seeking the Spirit of God for wisdom in our responsibilities. May we be those who are full of the Spirit and full of faith. For without faith it is impossible to please God. And my prayer is that as we as a church face days of difficulty, the spirit of endurance and encouragement may be granted in abundance. One more thing to point out, and it is about one of those seven who were full of the spirit and wisdom. Stephen is singled out and described as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. A man full of God's grace and power. His ministry was not confined to the humble logistics of daily food dispersal, for he performed great wonders and signs among the people. Perhaps these occurred as he distributed the daily bread. Stephen was to go on to speak boldly in the following chapter and lose his life for Christ.
Remember how Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And the Apostle Paul wrote, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. May I encourage each one of us to look to the Lord for his calling upon our life, for his empowering of our life of witness and service. And may we be open to the possibility that the Lord calls us to both wait on tables and to work miracles. May we not seek to limit what God is doing and can do through us, even if we may be limited in other ways. Amen.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all forevermore. Amen. Still, my soul be still. 